So hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Leaving Footprints, uh, where we talk to professionals from various different backgrounds. Uh, I'm going to have Anke go ahead and uh, introduce today's guest. Yeah, so for today's guest, we have Becca Martinez. Becca has a successful podcast called Chatty Broads and also has an Instagram following of over 700,000 followers. She's also an alumnus of UCI and has a successful clothing brand called The Good Alma. Uh, you should definitely check it out because it has a huge, uh, um, like beautiful collection and an amazing focus on sustainability. So I think just to start off, can you just little, uh, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, Becca? Yeah. And also, <laughs> it was so funny. I just found out yesterday that I'm actually going to be able to walk in the undergrad yeah. ceremony. Congrats. <laughs> I didn't sign up in time for the registration. And I was like, oh my gosh, I hope after... I was going to UCI for trying to finish my degree for almost eight years. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I hope we can walk. So mm-hmm. just found that out. So excited about that. Um, a little bit about myself. There's a lot of things I could say, but I guess just to kind of summarize, um, I know people are always curious about how I got my Instagram following. I was on the reality TV show, The Bachelor um, back in 2018. Uh, I have two small children, a two-year-old and an 11-month-old. And because of the Instagram following I got from The Bachelor, I've now been able to develop other avenues. And as was mentioned, I have a podcast called Chatty Broads that I share with my co-host. And um, and yeah, also a clothing line that just launched for the first time in March with just a few pieces. But I was literally on two meetings this morning and we're planning on expanding and have so many new things in store for the upcoming year. So it's really exciting. There's a lot that's like really um, been ramping up and a lot of different ventures that are, are coming together this year. That's really exciting. Congratulations on graduating. That's huge. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. I think Ankit was going to walk in the UC yeah, undergrad so as well. I graduated undergrad last year and I didn't get the graduation because of COVID and everything. So I'm getting oh, yeah. my sec- my uh, graduation moment for both my grad and my undergrad uh, on June as well. That's awesome. Congrats. Oh, that's so exciting. It's nice that we get to like kind of walk still, mm-hmm. even though it's you know, not quite the same. I'm still yeah. excited to put on like a cap and gown and do the whole thing. That's so exciting for you. Yeah, my parents are coming all the way from Dubai for this. I'm super excited for this. Oh, that's awesome. Congrats. See, Thank lots you. of good things happening this year. 2021 mm-hmm. is already a step up from 2020. 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was going to say, since we're talking about UCI and going to school, uh, would you mind telling our audience kind of about your journey through, uh, like, since you kind of mentioned earlier how that was? Yeah, so... um. I first started at UC, I graduated from high school in 2013, started um, UC Irvine the fall of 2013. And I went for two years. And at first I was an English major and my plan originally was to get just a liberal arts degree and then uh, get my teaching credentials. And so I just kind of like picked a, picked a major. Um, And then at the end of those two years, like in 2015, I just was like really struggling, feeling like I had no direction that I was going in in school and just felt just with personal stuff in my life. I just kind of felt like I was like floating in no direction. So I dropped out actually from UCI in 2015 and moved back back home to Fresno, where I'm originally from. And I took some community college classes uh, in Fresno. And then I moved back to LA. I took some community classes at Santa Monica college. Um, and so I was kind of just like toying around, still taking classes. And then 
actually when I got pregnant with my daughter in 2018, fall of 2018 is when I re-enrolled at UC Irvine and, um, finished out that fall quarter when I was five months pregnant with my daughter. And then I went back again in fall of 2019, um, and then completed spring quarter of 2020 on zoom at 38 weeks pregnant which is crazy. That was actually kind of the great thing about COVID selfishly. I was like, wow, this is awesome. Since I was having my second child, I was actually able to take classes and like be at home and be with my daughter and still be working towards my degree. So I was really grateful for that. But yeah, just finished officially in March winter quarter. And uh, so it's been quite a journey. I sort of wish that, um, oh, and I switched to art when I went back to school and art major. I sort of wished that I had taken advantage of community college um, before doing my first two years at UC Irvine, just so I could kind of get it out of my system and figure out, take classes, figure out what I wanted to do. But, you know, my journey led me here. So no regrets. That's amazing. By yeah. the way, like being pregnant, going back to school, like all of these things, it's amazing. Congratulations. You know yeah. Thank you. You know what though? I felt like I got to value it so much more after having some time out of school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know it's, it can be kind of a catch 22. Cause when people suggest like taking a gap year or two mm-hmm. after high school, sometimes people never end up going to college. So I understand how that can be tricky, but for me, it was really nice to take a step back and then like get to value my education so much more when I be- went back to school. Cause I was like, Oh, this is so cool. That this is something that's just for me. I can spend all this time just learning things. And I think after like working a little bit and, you know, having kids and all that, it was just Mm -hmm. a new and different appreciation. Actually. So I had a follow-up question. Um, Can you speak a little bit more about how you made the decision to stop going to school? Because I feel like that is definitely something people go through where they're in school or they go to college or they go to a large university and it's just so overwhelming, but they don't think that they can leave. Can you kind of walk us through that? Yeah. You know, I'm trying to remember at the time, I think I always had the intention of eventually going back to school at some Mm -hmm. point and finishing. I don't think I ever felt like I was dropping out forever. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, you know what, now that I'm thinking back on it, I remember what my plan was. My plan was actually to leave UC Irvine and then reapply to do my final two years at a different university. Um, at the time I was just feeling like I didn't have a community around me. Like I've just felt really, and it was just kind of stuff that was going on in my own Mm -hmm. life, but I just felt like really alone. I just didn't feel like, um, I just didn't, I didn't feel like at the moment it was the right fit for me. Mm -hmm. And thankfully my parents were really supportive and just saying like, look, if you need to come home and like take some time off, you know, do it. Uh, my parents did have an agreement because they were helping in my funds for college. They were like, mm-hmm. okay, you can only take this certain amount of time off. Or there was some agreement where like, you have to be taking community college classes, mm-hmm. like in the meantime. So we kind of had come to that agreement, but thankfully I did have a lot of support and I don't know, it just, at the time I knew that I could either sort of push through for the next two years, but I'm really glad that I didn't because like I said, I felt like I got a lot more value out of my education right. and with, with, I don't, I, I don't know how it is at other schools, but with UC Irvine and the UC system in particular, you can just sort of like basically deactivate and then you can re-enroll really easily if it's like sometime in the next five years. Like all I had to do was um, like pay a fee and fill out a little re-enrollment application and 
and I was able to get back into classes with very little issue. So it is an option. And I feel like even if you plan to stay at the same university or whatever, if you need to take a quarter off or two quarters or three quarters off or whatever, I would definitely encourage people like just go with your gut and what you feel like you need to do for yourself and for to get the value out of your education. I think that's really good advice because uh, in the past year with COVID, I know a lot of people who have taken the time off and I think it's Mm -hmm. been really beneficial for them because I think the shift to online learning wasn't exactly the easiest for everyone. And I think taking time off was extremely important for certain people. Like some people thrived in online education and some people Mm -hmm. don't exactly do it. So it's kind of a give and take. Like it's it's what works best for you, I guess. Uh, I think we kind of spoke about it earlier. So you were doing a bunch of things like you're handling, you have two beautiful children and you're also, you were going to school as well. And you also have the podcast and you were doing a clothing brand. How do you kind of manage all of that things going on around you? Yeah, I think I've had to like really evaluate recently and think about like, what do I really want to be doing and what is most important to me? Because as much as I would like to be doing everything at once, uh, it's not very like sustainable for my own life and well-being and it's kind of funny because I feel like a lot of times we talk about like the grind and like go 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 and you know get your daily hustle on and just keep going but I think that uh, and like push past past failure and while all that's really important I think it's also important to evaluate maybe sometimes I need to take a step back from my successes like maybe I can't maybe all these things are doing well and all these things are thriving, but like, maybe I need to take a step back because I can't, you know, handle it all. So I've, you know, had to say no to like some good opportunities, but like, I think that that's ultimately what's best right now. So I've just been sort of like evaluating, like, where do I need to prioritize my time just in the past few months? Like we finally gotten help, which we really needed for the kids before I was just kind of trying to do everything at once and like trying to get like serious business stuff done, like during my kids' naps and all that kind of thing. Um, So getting help. And I think that's really hard for people just in general to like ask for help or to admit that they can't do everything. And obviously it's a privilege to like have help with your kids or have an assistant or those kind of things. But I think if you can, I think especially for like entrepreneurs and business owners, you want to have control of every single aspect of whatever it is you're doing. You know, you're like, you know, oh, I'll handle the the email drafts. Oh, and I'll also handle the financial planning. Oh, and I'll also handle this and this and that. But I think at some point you have to take a step back and be like, okay, even though I want to control everything and I think that I'll be the best one to do everything, I can't. So I need to find ways to outsource different areas to other people. Um, and I think that that's sometimes really difficult to learn, but it's really necessary if you're going to continue growing whatever endeavor you have, whether it is a podcast or a business or any of that. Speaking of your podcast, can you talk a little bit more about like what your podcast is for our listeners who might have not heard it before? Yeah. So it's kind of funny. We talk about I guess the way that I should describe it is it's me and one of my best friends who just kind of talk about whatever we want to talk about. Um, When we started it, we actually didn't really know each other that well. And we just connected over some uh, shared, just like personal experiences. And then through the podcast, we found out that we had so much in common, which by the way, is I think a great way to um, have like a business partner just in general. I feel like 
business partners are sort of like roommates. Like if you try to make your best friend a roommate or your best friend a business partner, probably like four out of five times it ends up going really, really south. Uh, but if you can take someone like who's an acquaintance, granted like a trusted one, and build something from the ground up from a relation and build a relationship from the ground up at the same time, I think that sometimes that can really, really work. So that's thankfully what happened with us. And then now we kind of talk about, we talk about The Bachelor, we do recaps, we talk about like dating and lifestyle stuff, motherhood. Um, and also sometimes, you know, we just have people on who we, we think their stories are interesting or whatever. And we really have a lot of fun with it. But yeah, I would say in general, it's like we talk pop culture, drama, reality TV, and then just life stuff. Any favorite episode which you've had? Man, you know, now we've, we have logged almost 300 episodes, which is the newlywed episode is really good. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And I can't, I can't believe we've done so many off the top of my head. Like we actually literally just released an episode this past week where we did like a newlyweds game with each of our partners. And that was just one of those episodes where we just got to have like a lot of silly fun. And it's really cool that now we, that we've kind of established our podcast. There are times where we can just have goofy episodes and do whatever. So we made like our own game show and just had a blast um, with my boyfriend and my co-host's husband. And it's just like really fun to get to do that as a job now. I was going to say, it was a really like interesting point, which you made, like you kind of grow this relationship and, you know, had a really good time with your co-host. And I, I can relate because I feel like I me agree. and Ankit, when we started the podcast, we were friends, but not as close, but I feel like we've gotten closer and we like do everything together now. So, very relatable. Yeah. And I think that that's the best way to do it. Sometimes I think when you go backwards, sometimes like having some sort of working relationship can pull people apart. Like I mm-hmm. said, with kind of like the roommate thing, but when you find something that works, it works. Yeah. I agree. hundred um, percent. I was going to ask you actually, uh, if you could talk a little bit more about your, your clothing brand. Yeah. So it's kind of funny when I first, so I, I, we have kind of talked about this before off the podcast, but when So I got approached basically by a company that develops brands for influencers. Mm -hmm. And when I first started talking to them, like I didn't have any kind of interest in any sort of Mm eco-conscious issues or eco-consciousness, I should say. And so I was kind of like, yeah, like let's make something and we'll make it out of like recycled fibers or something and who knows, whatever. And I wasn't really like super passionate about it, but I was just kind of whatever, you know, we'll see, let's, let's try it out. And then a few months after, several months after first talking to the company and beginning to develop stuff, I started getting really interested in issues of sustainability. And um, especially because sustainability is such a buzzword now with Mm -hmm. particularly clothing brands, I guess just really all brands right now, but there's so much greenwashing and there's so much like sustainable is such a buzzword and you can really apply to sustainable to like anything because sustainable just means like something that you can continue to sustain. And of course you can sustain doing anything, but the outcomes might not be good. Right. Like, sure. Like you, I mean, that's just sort of the way that I think about it. Like sustainable isn't any kind of regulated term. You know, I could just start making plastic water bottles and be like, yeah, they're sustainable. (laughs) Um, so I would encourage just 
consumers to look the extra step, to take the extra step to look and be like, okay, is this company really prioritizing being eco-conscious? You know, like what are the, just simply down to what are the materials they package in? Like if they are re like using recycled fibers or organic fibers, what are the percentages, you know, like just even, even that kind of stuff. Um, where are the products being manufactured? Is there any kind of transparency in terms of where, like, you know, who is producing these and what the labor standards and practices look like? Um, anyway, so I kind of started to learn about all that stuff. And then I was like, all right, I want to do things a little differently with my company. And I was actually just talking to my sister last night. Cause I was like, you know what? Like there are so many ways where like, this is not perfect the way I'm doing things, but like I'm trying. And I think that if we can encourage consumers to shop with small brands and businesses that are taking the extra effort, the small extra efforts to do things differently, I think that can make a big impact in the long run, you know, like fast fashion brands like Forever 21, they, for instance, or H&M or Zara or whatever, I mean, they produce millions and millions of stock. Meanwhile, I'm doing in like the low thousands or even high yeah. hundreds in terms of units. Um, meanwhile, what they're doing is like creating millions. And then, you know, if they don't sell 25,000 units or whatever, then they can just literally throw them away because they've made so much profit at that point. Like it doesn't even right. matter. Um, I mean, the numbers, those numbers are all over the place. I don't know if those are accurate, but those are sort of the business models of fast, fast, fast fashion companies. Um, so we just wanted to kind of, I just wanted to do things a little bit differently. So, you know, we use currently all 100% organic cotton. We might start branching out from organic, organic cotton, doing hemp, bamboo, wool, but all still these natural fibers that ultimately are compostable. Um, because you know, like any time before the last hundred years, you would wear your clothes and stitch them and fix them until you couldn't wear them anymore. And at that point, then you would break them down and use them as rags. And then when they couldn't be used for that anymore, you know, you would maybe like tear up the cloth and then put it in your garden and it would go back into the earth. Mm -hmm. Obviously that's not the way we um, approach how we use our clothes anymore, but still just taking the extra step to shop using organic fibers. Obviously the first most sustainable thing is to buy used clothing, which I do love to do. Um, but if you're going to buy new organic fibers are great. Um, and then we also all package in compostable materials, compostable mailers, um, craft paper bags. Um, and we produce everything in Portugal too. And so the company I work with, they have like a super, uh, transparent relationship with the manufacturing there. Um, I've seen photos and videos of the whole facility. It's super beautiful, um, ethical facility for, for all of that manufacturing, which is just great to know too. So yeah, I just, we're doing, we're making small changes to, to hopefully model. I mean, my hope would be one day that bigger companies would pursue just even some of those small changes, you know, like if the forever 21s and the H and M's and the czars of the world quit using, um, you know, plastic poly bags to put everything in that in and of itself would make a huge, um, would make a huge dent in mm -hmm. the, uh, in the waste footprint. 
I think that's that's awesome, and we'll definitely link uh, her clothing brand in our description, so you can definitely check it out. Uh, it's you. currently out of stock again, so <laughs> look out for a restock again now. Yeah, I mean that's a that's another thing. Like in the first model, we I did like really 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 limited uh, quantities because I didn't want to have a bunch of extra leftover that <laughs> went to waste. And then now you know we were able to get a much better idea of like quantities that people want of course also people don't realize that you have to put up all the money up front to invest mm -hmm. in the initial stock yeah. so it's like you know i'm not gonna buy like an initial stock of twenty thousand items because mm -hmm. i have to put all the money behind it and organic cotton and all that kind of stuff is much more expensive uh than other fibers so anyway but we're going to be growing and expanding uh, hoping the way things are going it's going great so hopefully in the next year uh, quantities are going to get larger. There's going to be more items and it won't just be a little sold out sign on the store moving forward. <laughs> That's yeah. exciting. That's really exciting. That is really exciting. And I'm glad you kind of told our listeners about that. I hope it inspires them to look more into being, uh, you know, a little more sustainable when it comes to clothing. Yeah. And I think it's really fun too, to like look for small shops and businesses mm -hmm. and, you know, you can see the people behind the, the stores that you're supporting. And I think that mm -hmm. that's a really special, fun way to spend your money also is like investing mm -hmm. in something that someone created with love. 100%. So not only are you a businesswoman, but you're also, as you said, like heavily present on social media. And our podcast basically focuses on professional development and networking. Can you talk about how you kind of maintain and grow your personal brand on social media? Yeah. I mean, it's such a cliche, but for me, with the particular kind of social media presence I have, which, you know, I'm sort of like a mommy blogger, I guess you would say, type of influencer sharing our life as a family. It's super cliche, but I think you have to just be yourself and, um, and you know, share moments of vulnerability with people and show people your real life and the real struggles that you have. Um, and I think when people try to pursue this sort of like picture perfect image or try to be like other people on social media, I think that that sort of inauthenticity kind of shows through and that people can mm -hmm. sort of tell. Um, and you know, sure, people might be interested in like what top you're wearing, but I think it's different to be like interested in the stuff that someone sells versus like the person that they are. And I feel like that's something that businesses and brands can really learn a thing or two from as well. Like I think as a business or a brand, brand you can share moments of vulnerability, you know, okay. like I, I've seen, for example, on Instagram business pages where if there's like, let's say sort some sort of like flub with shipping or something like that. Um, I've seen brands like blocking and deleting, you know, comments that are upset or something like that. And I'm like, wait, but that's like a really cool opportunity as a brand to show a moment of vulnerability. I mean, obviously it's different depending on what scale you're operating on. Of course, like there's, like I said, like the forever 21s of the world, that's probably not applicable, but you know, for like brand starting out, there's always going to be a lot of issues happening. But like, what if you can take that opportunity to share like, hey, this is what goes on on the back end. You don't have to get into detail, but like this happened. And like, this is so dis like, we're so sad that like people are disappointed about this. And like, this is what we're doing to like work harder to make sure that these issues don't happen in the future. And I feel like being able to share those moments, people really, um, it causes them to connect and like bond with, with 
a brand or a company and be like, wow, like they really care. And I know what's going on. I think people want to know what's going on behind like the brands that they love or the people that they love or the companies that they love. I think they want to know what goes into the planning process, what goes into what, you know, people are curious. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I did do a little bit differently with the good Alma. And this is maybe just more from an influencer standpoint, but like I've seen other influencers or bloggers who they release a clothing line and then it's like all of a sudden out of nowhere on a random Tuesday, you know, they're like, my clothing line just dropped. You know, mm-hmm. I've been so excited. I've been working on this for the past two years and everyone's just kind of like, what? I haven't heard about this at all for the past two years. Mm-hmm. Obviously there's, you know, um, there's like NDAs and stuff like that. But if you can even share, like I am working on a, I'm working on designing a clothing brand right now. Like, what color palettes are you interested in? You know, like that's something a brand or company, obviously this is specific to clothing, but you know, putting up stuff on your page of like, which one's your favorite color? Like genuinely, we want to get feedback. And of course that stuff is super helpful for a company and it engages people because it's like a genuine interest in having a relationship with the consumer. Mm -hmm. And I think that just makes the consumer that much more invested in whatever the product is. So I just feel like companies, brands, influencers in general, if you can like show vulnerability and fi- get, find creative ways to genuinely connect, not like, you know, I've seen people on, on like companies on Instagram being like, you know, what do you do on Saturdays? Like drop in the comments below. And it's like, yeah, you can do that. But the brand is not actually curious in getting feedback. And consumers can sense that if it's something like, which do you prefer this cardigan or this sweatshirt? Like we want to know people are going to yeah. be like, Oh, they're actually concerned about my feedback. Um, right. Anyway, I could go on and on about that kind of stuff because I love to nerd out on about social media. But I think that for a lot of for a lot of individuals and brands, it's a really untapped way to connect with who the person is mm-hmm. um, who's who's buying their stuff on the other side of the screen. Being an influencer, as you said, kind of also involves like putting yourself out there and being vulnerable. And sometimes people don't like that. And like, as you said, even in Instagram bio says, everyone makes mistakes. I just make them in public. How do you draw the line as to like how much of yourself and your family and your close ones are you showing to the public? And yeah. yeah, I think that's something that I've just kind of learned over time. Like, I think in the beginning, like in the first year or so, I was really oversharing certain areas and really undersharing other areas. And I, I guess I can't think of any specifics, but now I just know I've almost had like a crash course in media training. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't go deep into like talking about, uh, you know, there's just certain things that like always trigger people, like discussions or certain discussions around vaccinations, like certain <laughs> discussions around, um, certain sectors of politics. Like there's, there's just certain things sometimes where I'm like, okay, I am not passionate about this enough about this issue to like fight about it. So I'm just not going to talk about it, you know? Um, and then there's certain things with our life where, yeah, I just, they're, they're, like, I don't talk about stuff that's going on with my extended family. I only share glimpses into like, you know, issues that I might be facing in my relationship. Um, I've been trying to pull back in terms of like what I'm posting about the kids and like personal details regarding them, you know, like health stuff regarding them, that kind of thing. Um, but it's just kind of now after like three and a half years, it's sort of just become an intuitive 
movement through the social media space. But yeah, there's definitely things that I just choose not to share. And sometimes it's for no particular reason. I'm just like, I don't feel like talking about that with, uh, you know, 700,000 people. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just going to ask kind of going off of this topic and then also relating it back to um, our listeners who are mainly students and people like trying to find jobs and stuff like that. So how do you kind of deal with even like negative feedback or criticism that might be coming at you for your personal brand and your clothing brand? I think that's a great question. It's that's another thing that I feel like I've really just had to learn over the past few years. I think just remember, try not to take it personally, even though, you know, working towards your resume or working towards your company or whatever has is always a huge like labor of love and just a lot of blood, sweat and tears behind it as much as you can, you just have to tell yourself like it's not personal. And you also have to be really discerning, I think, about taking your ego out of it and being like, okay, where is the kernel of truth in this, even though I may not want to see it? And really, you really have to hone your discernment because sometimes people's feedback is trash. You know, like sometimes it's like people are just mad or they don't like you or whatever for no reason. And sometimes it's like, okay, there that is just, you know, whatever they said Mm -hmm. or thought about me was just dumb and whatever. But then you have to use discernment too, to be like, okay, but is there something in here that I need to be aware of or need to address or whatever? And I feel like my best practical advice is just taking some time. Like, you know, if someone's responding to me on, on the social media for the good, I'm taking a few hours thinking about it really being cautious and careful about how to respond in a way that's not super defensive or like ego filled. Um, and I think it's the same thing, like getting, you know, applying for jobs, doing interviews, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's hard to do that though sometimes, because sometimes when there is valid feedback and a lot of it, Mm -hmm. you're just kind of like, wow, I'm never going to like be good enough. But I think it's just important to take one step at a time, implement whatever changes you can, if possible, and just, you know, kind of keep going and don't let it bring you down and don't, don't get too defensive that you can't hear the valid constructive feedback that you yeah. need to improve yourself. I think that's really good advice. And I think we both will keep that in mind when we're getting feedback from our jobs as well. So yeah. what's next for you? Like what's next for you in terms of your professional life or your personal life? Like what do you, what do you, what do you think, how you look like in the next five years or so? Oh man, I never have any kind of five-year plan. I can't go that far. I can only see the next year. So I like to kind of things, I like to have sort of loose goals, but I think right now I'm in a phase of just like development. Um, I think that I just want to develop what I already have in place and like make it better and maybe make it bigger, but maybe not. But either way, just kind of like improving where I'm at right now and just kind of sitting and developing the projects that are on my plate. Right. Um, I think we can just go ahead and wrap up because I know you got to get going. But uh, where's so where can our listeners uh, reach out to to find out more about your professional journey? Yeah. um, At Becca on Instagram, B-E-K-A-H. At The Good Alma is the clothing company, thegoodalma.com. And then Chatty Broad's podcast. Those are kind of like the three places you can really find me. And I'm always on Instagram at Becca every day. Sounds, we'll, we'll definitely link those definitely in the, link the description for this yeah. episode. But thank Sweet. you so much for being on with us. Thank yeah. you guys. This is so much fun. I love chatting about all this stuff and I appreciate you uh, having me on. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.